It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, one of your hosts, along with James Rapine, the other one of your hosts. You can find us on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL and at James Rapine. Follow us individually on Twitter and follow the podcast at Locked On Bengals for your daily updates on what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, James Rapine's favorite protein bar go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on to get ten dollars off your next order tyler boyd addressed the media today in cincinnati and spilled the beans on an injury a minor injury but nonetheless spilled the beans about that and about what's going on with joe mixon so we get some candid thoughts with tyler boyd as i think he he generally is pretty candid with the media pretty blunt very confident all things that are fun for media members, I'm sure, to interact with. So we'll get into that press conference first. And there's a roster move to go along with the Tyler Boyd presser. We start there and then get into the mailbag, taking all of your questions in segments two and three of the show. But let's get started, James, with what Tyler Boyd had to say when he addressed the media on Thursday. Let's get the roster news out of the way first. The Bengals activated Vernell Wren, interior defensive lineman, from the non-football injury list, he is now ready to return to the team as he practices physical, according to the official NFL transaction wire today. So that is a procedural move. He'll join Mike Daniels, Geno Atkins, DJ Reader, and the rest of the Bengals' defensive line as the Bengals move toward padded practices after the weekend. The more interesting news today is that Tyler Boyd addressed the media, and he let us know a few things that Otherwise, we wouldn't have known. For one, he lives across the street from John Ross, and that's just a fun little fact. But also, T. Higgins hasn't been practicing for a few days. Sounds like he's dealing with some sort of minor injury that has not yet been disclosed by anyone with the organization. And I reached out to the Bengals afterwards, Jake, just to get clarification. I didn't want to run with anything uh, without at least asking. And they said, well... Zach comments on injuries, and, and Zach has already had his weekly news conference. So the only way we're going to get an update is, one, uh, if T. Higgins is out there on, on Monday, certainly Sunday in a full padded practice, and then Monday when the, the rest of the media, including myself, will be there at training camp, uh, or two, Zach Taylor talks, which I assume will also be Monday. So you, you just hope it isn't anything major. And I know Tyler Boyd described it as minor. Who told him it was minor? Is it T, a player who – most players do say things that you know like that where it's not going to be as big of a deal and they think they can be back sooner rather than later, especially a young guy like him. Or was it the, the medical staff or a coach or someone like that? That would be my question. So we're obviously speculating here. But the last thing you want is T. Higgins after a virtual offseason to miss significant time here as training camp gets going. And he was battling soft tissue injuries in the pre-draft process as well that led to him 
having to do all of his work at the Clemson Pro Day, which is one of the few Pro Days that actually happened. So you have to hope that he can stay healthy, that he doesn't have some recurring soft tissue kind of injury. It was hamstring stuff. It was muscle stuff leading up to the draft. And we don't know anything about it. So if it's minor, great. If it's precautionary, great. But he wasn't out there working with the receivers today. In fact, you can see it on video. Dan Horde and Dave Lapham did a little training camp review video today. They were at camp. The Bengals let their own employees in, let them get the first look at the team. Got to see A.J. Green. Got to see some Tyler Boyd. But without John Ross and T. Higgins out there working, that gives some other players an opportunity to get reps in where they otherwise might not have gotten the reps with Joe Burrow, for example. It gives Auden Tate more reps with the first team. It gives the guys battling it out for another roster spot. Mike Thomas mentioned today by Dan Horde as looking good. A chance to make a case for themselves here early in camp where two other guys that we just assume and know will be near the top of the depth chart are currently not participating. It's a very optimistic way to put it, but I, I agree. And you're right, Mike Thomas. Uh, I saw one picture that the Bengals posted of Mike Thomas. He looked lean, in shape, and it's just a picture. Uh, but if Dan Hort says he looked good, then I, I'm going to believe Dan. It's it's certainly a uh, an interesting time because we've spent the past, what, three months, four months, really, uh, nearly, talking about how deep the Bengals wide receiver core is. In a matter of two days, John Ross gets placed on the COVID-19 reserve list because of his family. And again, we wish his family well, especially his, his three-year-old son, uh, who has contracted COVID according to reports. And then two, T. Higgins is dealing with some kind of injury, whatever it may be. And it's kept him out long enough to where Tyler Boyd has only watched him run routes once. So Tyler said today that he's only watched T. Higgins run routes once. So that is, that is a bit concerning. And you hope it is just a, a minor thing that the Bengals are playing it safe with. That would be a week or two then for T. Higgins. The other interesting notes from <laughs> Tyler Boyd's press conference, for one, he says, hey, Joe Burrow, he's been on point. He's been accurate. He's been a great leader. And I think they acknowledge that the lack of the preseason might make things a little tough for Burrow early on, but also seems to be pretty confident uh, in Joe Burrow's leadership and his ability to throw the football. And Boyd mentioned that, Yeah, you know what? Joe Mixon does want to be here. That's not fake. But (laughs) he and the front office need to get on the same page and figure out a contract, which, of course, to this point hasn't happened. That's not to say it won't. But the closer we get to the season, given the Bengals' history, the less likely it is. I think it will get done, but certainly over the next couple of weeks, it's it's prime time. I don't think they're going to be negotiating ahead of week one. So the Bengals want to get something done. Tyler today said it's just a matter of them making Joe an offer that he likes. <laughs> so I, I thought that was uh, really well put and blunt, as you described him earlier. He is. Uh, a couple other things. He is. I, I love Tyler. I, honestly, he was uh, he was one of the guys when I stopped covering the team that I wish I got to say because I didn't get to say goodbye to anyone. I left in the middle of the year. He's certainly one of the players that, that I wish I could have. And I, I can't wait to to chat with him in person in 2021, maybe who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but as far as, uh, is what he said on Thursday, two things stood out. One, he continues. He's just the next player that, that called Joe Burrow, uh, and described him with swag. He said, he's just got mm-hmm. that swagger in that confidence. And it's, it's so redundant, but I think we have to point it out every time because again, we're talking about someone who's blunt like Tyler Boyd, 
and uh, obviously going to be a big, big part of this offense. And so him and Joe Burrow connecting is is key. And I think that over the next coming days, I was going to ask more about Burrow's arm and the way he throws and their rapport, but I think it's going to they're going to really be able to dive into that over the next week, and then you can start to ask those questions and he can answer them honestly. And and then the other thing that I thought um, stood out to me. And it, it would have been real easy to gloss over it. But someone asked Tyler about the offense as a whole and and how explosive and, and the potential of it. And he said, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, if Ross stays healthy, he's unguardable. And I know for a fact he used the word unguardable. He said he's unguardable. He's so fast, no one can run with him. And so when we talk about his confidence and his physical ability and all of those things, I've never heard Tyler Boyd say that about John Ross. And I get it, they're neighbors, which I didn't know, actually. Um, but I've never heard him say that. And so I think that maybe number 11 did kick it into a different gear. And, and hopefully uh, he can return to camp safely here in the near future. Because if that's the case, you talk about this offense, if he can be that guy with A.J. Green and Mixon and Boyd and all these other weapons, the Bengals are going to be uh, extremely, extremely fun to watch on offense. A lot of uncertainty there. And you just hope that some of these, as Marvin would say, some of these footballs bounce the Bengals' way. I think that's a Marvinism. <laughs> Nothing like a good old Marvinism for training camp. Got to bring him back from time to time. Speaking of bringing things back, James, Built Bar, back as a sponsor of the Locked On Bengals podcast. And not only are they back, but they're back with six new flavors. They're sending us a new sampler box. Can't wait to try them. Check out these new flavors, James. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, like cherry Garcia. Get it, guys? Lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. So just expanding the portfolio of delicious flavors that, as you love to say, hit all the macros just the right way. Man, I can't wait to try these new flavors, Jake. I'm, I'm ecstatic. Look, I got to be honest. Over the past month or so, I put on a couple LBs that I wasn't uh, looking to put on here ahead of training camp. But now that we got some new Built Bar flavors, I can't wait to try them. And look, Built Bar is perfect. If you're health conscious at all, you want to keep your macros, maybe you're on on the keto diet, which is very popular right now, Built Bar is perfect for that. Try the new flavors. Maybe you're looking for a peanut butter, coconut almond. They, They have them all for you. And here's the fun part right now. They're offering you a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So go to BuiltBar.com right now, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's keep things rolling here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. It's time for the weekend mailbag where you ask us questions on Twitter at Locked On Bengals. Make sure you're following if you're not so you can get in your questions next week. And Jake, let's start with Mark 
who wants to know if George Kittle and Travis Kelsey's mega extensions are going to impact Drew Sample's long-term possibilities and contract here in Cincinnati? No, next question. <laughs> that was it. That was my joke. That's a good joke. That was, that was the joke. Very, very I good. I wanted to tweet it, but I actually like Drew Sample, and it's too mean to write. <laughs> And, you know, he might end up being good. But. You know what? <laughs> Drew Sample could be a very fine football player, but this conversation actually happened today in the Locked On Football Channel group chat on Twitter. People are trying to figure out who's going to be the next tight end to reset the market like Kelsey did and Kittle did today. And there's there's really nobody coming down the pike in the immediate future that's proven that they're on that level. So I think, that you know, Mark Andrews could be a guy. If he gets a little bit more run, who's really good. And obviously TJ Hawkinson last year is a guy that we talked about as one of the best, most complete tight end prospects in a really long time. But they both have a lot to prove to get to those numbers that we just saw for Kittle and Kelsey. Notice <laughs> so I didn't talk Sample. about Drew Sample at all. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, talk about a ways to go. Yeah, we won't mention the, the names that people were throwing out there, but they uh, they certainly are. Maybe slightly more relevant than Sample at this point. All right, let's get to the real questions because I made that one up. Kevin on Twitter asks, do you guys have any traditions or superstitions for game day? I definitely have a few. Well, you just made that question up. There's not even a mark. No mark. All right. Well, you got maybe, me. Maybe it was Mark Sample, like Mark's cousin or, you know, Drew's cousin or something. I don't know. Sure. Sure. Uh, so game day superstitions. Actually, the shirt I'm wearing right now while we record is one of my few pieces of Bengals memorabilia. Although I did just buy the Joe Burrow throwback in, in the Ken Anderson style of jersey. So I might have to start wearing that one this year. I, I put over $200 into that purchase from Cook Sporting Goods right in Cincinnati. He used to make the Bengals uniforms back in the day, so you know it's authentic. So I might start wearing that one this year, but but really my only thing is I, I, I like this shirt. The shirt that I'm wearing right now is an A.J. Green shirt, jersey, jersey as it is, and uh, a friend got it for me one year, and this is, this is a shirt that I like to wear. But ever since the Bengals lost to the Steelers that one time, I, I I haven't been so so strict about wearing it. What about you, James? Not really. <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're I don't really have now. any. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't really have. And even before that, honestly, I didn't really have any game day superstitions. But 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 I, I, I at least specifically to the Bengals. But here's here's what I'll say. I definitely don't. I won't turn the channel. Like if I'm watching a game and I'm really invested in, into the the winner. Um, the other thing I won't do, I won't get up. Like if I have to really use the bathroom and there's four minutes left and my team is rolling, you know, in basketball, if they go on a 15 0 run, I'll use the Bearcats for an example. If the Bearcats go on a 15 0 run, uh, and now they're up by four and it's a game that's, you know, a really tough game. I don't think they're going to win or that is borderline. I'm probably going to just sit there and hold it. You know, so what? there you go. There's a superstition. I don't, I don't want the, I don't want to sway. I don't want to sway anything. On uh on on Bengals game days, so the, the game started like ten o'clock Pacific time because I'm out on the West Coast. So I I actually usually don't eat on Sundays until after the game, especially if I'm like invested. If they're good, I'm I'm usually not hungry enough to eat until after they play because I got those those excitement adrenaline butterflies going for the morning. Do you roll out of bed at like nine thirty on a Sunday? 
Uh, maybe a, a year or two ago, but now that I'm back on, you know, waking up early schedule regularly, I'm usually up about eight o'clock anyway. I mean, it would be nice. I, I did like it a lot I, when I wasn't working yet. When I first came up here, I, I could just sleep whenever I wanted. And so on Sundays, I would try to sleep until, yeah, like nine, nine thirty, nine forty five and just roll over and turn on football. And it was great. Yeah, see that—that's the part about the West Coast I would love. I would oh, love fantastic. that aspect of it. But I would be hungry. Like if I woke up at eight, I'd probably be hungry, if I, especially if I'm just sitting there. But I guess if your mind is so focused on something, because there are plenty of days I don't eat until after one, because yeah. I'm focused on whatever I'm doing that day. So hopefully, you're going to be focused on a bunch of Joe Burrow touchdown passes this year. And it's not like you're—it's not like you're active. You're just—you're just sitting there, like. But but for me, it's really like there's a little bit of anxiety around the game when they're good. You know, the heart rate gets going involuntarily, and and so there's something there's something happening. You know, psychophysiologically or whatever. Anyway, that's enough about what happens to James and I when we watch our favorite teams do sports. Next question comes from Grillmeister. What is the official NFL policy on fans in the stands? Jerry Jones said there will be fans at every game. The Raiders have already said there will be zero fans in their new stadium in Las Vegas this year. The Bengals have really only said there will be reduced capacity at best. Is there no standard policy league-wide? There isn't. And, and a big reason why is it, the NFL is doing this is because COVID-19 and the pandemic is much different in different regions, different states, different cities. And so they're leaving it up to the teams, at least as of now. That could change very quickly, depending on what happens with COVID-19. The Ravens, for example, are going to allow a maximum of 15,000 fans at M&T Bank Stadium. Uh, The Bengals, they've said reduced capacity. They, I know, are working with season ticket holders a bit, and they kind of got a head count uh, about a month ago, a month and a half ago, uh, on who was going to opt out and and who could potentially uh, keep their season tickets if fans are allowed in the stands. And it's it really just comes down to will the NFL allow this and can – will the city of Cincinnati, will Hamilton County, will all of these government entities approve of this plan? And it probably starts with Ohio Governor Mar- uh, Mike DeWine and uh, and it goes from there. Yeah, the, the official NFL policy is simply whatever your municipal and state governments say. And so – it comes down to the Bengals in the state of Ohio and in Hamilton County and the Reds. If you're looking to get down to Paul Brown Stadium this year, the Reds are currently moving ahead with trying to get fans into Great American Ballpark. So that could set some precedent for the Bengals at Paul Brown Stadium. It'd be nice. I would love for fans to be able to watch Joe Burrow in person this year and, and certainly watch a Reds team that, while they're struggling now, has invested a lot into winning in 2020. Let's keep things rolling with Chico Ruiz on Twitter says, which of these is most likely to take a big step forward this year? Billy Price, Fred Johnson, Drew Sample, or Jermaine Pratt? I thought this was a really hard question, James. I don't, I don't know about you, but I think that these are all guys that all fans would love to see take a big step. And I think that there's a a solid argument for all of them. Billy Price has apparently come to camp at 330 pounds. He's put on a ton of weight and has been working with Duke Manyweather. So there's reason for optimism there. Fred Johnson is a guy that really came on at the end of last year and reasonable to think that he would take a year two jump. Drew Sample, tight ends are a little bit slow to come along. He did miss some time with injury, but again, year two jump. You're looking for that from tight ends. 
But the guy that I'm going to go with is is actually going to be Jermaine Pratt because I think that he showed incremental progress all year, was a pretty solid player by the end of the year. And for a guy that's transitioning from safety to NFL linebacker over the course of one college season and one NFL season, I really like the upside there. And I think that he'll benefit a lot from the investment the Bengals have made both behind and in front of him. My initial reaction to this was, well, you know Drew Sample's going to play. You know Jermaine Pratt's going to play. I don't know that about Billy Price. I don't know that about Fred Johnson. It may seem really clear in a couple of weeks. It doesn't at this point. So I narrow it down to those two. Uh, To me, I think it's Jermaine Pratt. I think it makes a lot of sense. You get Josh Bynes next to him. You get a a bunch of young guys behind him. Uh, The the defensive line has certainly improved. And with DJ Reader next to Geno Atkins, Mike Daniels behind Reader, you would assume that these linebackers would be more productive and, and be set up for more success this season. So I think Jermaine Pratt is the right choice or the most likely choice. But I, I would totally, and I think it actually is realistic to expect Drew Sample to be solid this year. I don't have, I expect him to be great or anything, but but I don't think we're going to be talking about him as this awful bust by the end of the the 2020 season. And call me crazy there, but I, I just I think he's going to be solid. He might not be a star, um, but but he, I think he's going to be serviceable. And then the guy really with probably the highest ceiling you'd still hope is Billy Price. I know it sounds crazy, but he was a first round pick for a reason. And you're right, Jake. I mean, if he's put on weight, him versus Xavier Suofilo could certainly be a battle. And it could certainly start on Sunday when they put the pads on. I think it's pretty interesting. I don't think Billy Price has the highest upside of all these guys, though, because I think he was overdrafted. I think that he was probably a consensus day two pick. And and we've talked about this a lot. I think the Bengals made a panic pick there because they needed a center. If we're talking pure upside, Fred Johnson, from a physical tools perspective, has all the upside in the world, in my opinion, if the mental bit comes along. But when we're talking about the most likely to take a big step with DJ Reader in front of him, with Von Bell behind him, and and the investment they've made at corner, yeah, I think that the easy choice here for me, for probability, is Jermaine Pratt. If you could have one of those guys reach his full potential and take a huge step forward this season, who would it be? Easily Fred Johnson. Not even close. Same here, right? Right tackle? Get it done. Come on, Freddie. Live up to your potential for all that is good in the world, Fred Johnson. Coming up next, more questions to finish up the mailbag, including one more about that defensive line that will be potentially improved in front of Jermaine Pratt in his second year. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wrapping up this week on the Locked On Bengals podcast and wrapping up this show, we continue with the weekend mailbag. And the next question is right about that defensive line. I was just talking about it in front of Jermaine Pratt, and it's from Alexander Ricker, the Shanghai kid, at Shanghai Kid 902 on Twitter. He asks, do you believe Mike Daniels will be an upgrade from Josh Tupo, even though they're not really the same player and don't really play the same position? I do. 
I think it'll be an upgrade for a few reasons. And that's not really a, an insult to Josh. But when you bring in a guy like Mike Daniels, who probably feels counted out, feels like a guy uh, who was on the outside looking in for months during this pandemic, he seemed extremely motivated in his news conference on Wednesday and j- just him talking and the passion there. And when you're talking about uh, a high-end talent like him, who's finally healthy and the key to this, and we've talked about it, and I don't want to hammer it home too much, but in a reduced role than he's used to. Like, he's angry. He's pissed off. He wants to show the world he could still play at a high level. And now you're going to put him next to a DJ Reader or next to a Geno Atkins, which will probably be the most likely scenario a lot. That, to me, makes a ton of sense. And so I think he's going to thrive in that spot. Is he going to be better than Josh Tupo in 2021? I have no idea. But I do think that bringing in a guy like Daniels does make the defensive line better and as long as he can stay healthy, and that is the question mark, he's missed 13 games in the past two seasons. If he could stay healthy, he's going to certainly be a, a problem for opposing offenses. I don't know if, if I fully agree there. I think Mike Daniels is better than Josh Tupo at some things, but I don't think that he's strictly an upgrade. And and part of it is that they are very different players. I mean, in, in Mike Daniels' prime, he was better than Josh Tupo's prime is likely to be. But Josh Tupo was was very underrated and very, very good in 2019 to, to a point where I'm not even sure that, that a lot of Bengals fans, a lot of listeners, listeners to this podcast even are aware of it, despite how much and how often I go out of my way to praise him. And so maybe there's a little bit of bias there too. But I also think Mike Daniels is a really good player. I think what Daniels does that Tupo doesn't do is that he has a little bit more burst to his game if he's healthy. And, and by all accounts, he is healthy right now. So... He, he has a little bit more potentially position versatility than you got out of Tupo and and has a little bit more of a pass rush to his game. So he's better in those regards. I'm not sure if he'll be better as a run defender or kind of like the same or, or maybe just like a, a touch worse, but I'm, I'm not sure it's like strictly an upgrade is, is my only point there. I do see the upside for him and he could be much better than Josh Tupo was last year, but I think that there are some things that would have to go right for that to happen and, and we don't know where he's at. All right, let's go to our next question. Trey on Twitter, at Abe Cubed, asks, after seeing some Stanley Morgan praise from last year, who else do you see being a valuable special teams player this season? This is a sneaky good question, man. This is a really good question, and here's why. Yeah, Stanley Morgan, by far the best special teamer on the Bengals last year and one of the best special teamers in the league last year, and and it's one of the reasons that I've said, if you listen to this podcast, that I'm concerned for his roster spot because he's legitimately that good as a special teamer. It's not very often that the Bengals have had a true special teams ace, despite how well that unit has generally performed as a whole under Darren Simmons, who's a very good coach. But here's why it's a good question. The Bengals lose... Hardy Nickerson, Clayton Fedulum, Tony McRae, Kerry Wynn even, all this year. Those guys are all on other teams or or not on the Bengals roster right now. And those were some of the heaviest contributors to the Bengals special teams last year. So so who does that leave as the guys that have to step up this year? For one, Seathan Carter, the tight end, almost a sure thing to make this roster if he continues to be a solid special teamer. And, and it's precisely because he is relied upon the way he is as a special teamer, but they still need someone to replace Clayton Fedulum in that personal protector role that he played on punt coverage. He, he's literally in every single 
special teams package for the Bengals, except for when they tried to go out there and kick field goals. So they need somebody to replace that. Maybe that's a guy like Brandon Wilson, but with his returning being part of his game, I'm not sure if that's him. Maybe this is a way that Trayvon Henderson makes a team, right? Maybe it's if, if you're looking at a safety. So, man, I, I think that's a good question. You're going to need to see Seathan Carter stand up. They're going to need to get some performances from some of these down-the-roster corners. And, and if there's a guy that's trying to make the team at cornerback, or in Seathan Carter's case, they're going to have to do it on special teams. I think it's Trey Waynes. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I was trying to get a reaction out of you, Jake. I was trying to get a reaction. It's hard. And you didn't even smile. Uh, I thought that was kind of funny. Darius Phillips takes off, (laughs) and then Trey Waynes is stuck being a special teamer for 13 per. You're you're spoiling one of our future questions right now. Or 14 per? Anyways, uh, (laughs) I am a little. I forgot about that. (laughs) Anyways. Um, look, LaShawn Sims is the guy I think of when I, I think yeah. of why he was brought here. And I know Lou Anarumo talked about him defensively, but to me, that's a guy who you mentioned his special team, his special teams experience, and he's going to have to do it. Uh, another guy that I, I think the path to the roster, making the roster, Samaje Pirine. Sure. He's going to have to, you know, he's going to have to contribute on special teams. And he, he, to his credit, he he's shown that he can do that. But but that's a guy if they're going to keep four running backs, can P Ryan be better than Rodney Anderson say, right? On special yeah. teams. If so, that might be his path to to making this team. So, uh it, it is a really good question. There's just a lot we don't know yet, and, and that's one of the many many training camp questions. Here's what I will say though. Stanley Morgan Assuming he gives – well, one thing, it's going to be hard to evaluate special teams anyways. It's going to be tough. And, and yeah. I get it. They're going to simulate it and stuff like that, but it's going to be harder. So I, I would expect Stanley Morgan Jr., and you, you've talked about this, he's a lock. He should be a lock to, to make this team because uh, you need some kind of stability there. And uh, I, I do have uh, one last thing here. I don't really have any doubt that Darren Simmons is going to be able to find a way to find guys that are productive on special teams. They had one of the best units last year, and I expect that to to be the same this season. Yeah, I think a couple other guys that we haven't mentioned, Travion Williams could step up into a bigger role on special teams. And uh, the one guy that we haven't talked about, Mike Thomas, who who apparently has really good feet, according to Dave Lapham. The only way he's making the team is if he can play special teams really well. So that that's the other guy that we'll mention here. But like you said, without seeing training camp, we don't even know who's working in these special teams units right now. Although I will say we did see Jesse Bates working with the punt returners in that video from Dan Horde and Dave Lapham in their training camp recap today. He did that in 2018 when he first came to the team. He returned punts at Wake Forest. He's never done it in the regular season for the Bengals. And maybe you... You put him in that role a little bit more. No way. Because you because you have a Sean Williams. I wouldn't. I yeah. wouldn't do it. No. I I want him playing center field, getting interceptions. Like I want Jesse Bates to have eight picks this year, dude. <laughs> Look, I, yeah. I, that's what I want. Lead the league in interceptions, which I'm not saying that's my expectation, but go do that. I think he's like an emergency option there because he's also working over there with Tyler Boyd, Darius Phillips, and Alex Erickson, who you would expect to be the other guys that that maybe would do some punt returning. No Geo though, so so maybe Gio that's needs to be there. yeah. He you gotta to get you gotta get Geo involved G- there. Yeah, like can you just get him on the field with 
the, the punt team. I don't know. Punt return team. Especially with how good he was at that at the University of North Carolina. Next question comes from King of the North at Small Hands Joe on Twitter. James, we've talked about this one. What's up with T. Higgins' injury? Yeah, we don't know much, and, and I'm not going to speculate, so I'll tell you the facts. Tyler Boyd said that T. Higgins is dealing with a minor injury issue that's prevented him from working out with the team. I mean, he used the word practice, but obviously Thursday was really their first practice. And the other thing Boyd said that was noteworthy to me, they described it as minor, but he's only seen T. Higgins run routes once. And they've been together for a couple weeks now. So if yeah. that's the case, that means, say, you know, maybe it, it, two things. One of two things. Maybe they were in different groups, which doesn't make any sense to me if they were. Or two, he's been dinged up for a little bit now and he's fighting through it. So uh, we'll uh, we'll get clarity early next week at the latest. And, and it does seem like that's going to be the case is whenever Zach Taylor talks next or when the media is officially allowed in for training camp on Monday that we'll be able to see if T Higgins is out there and hopefully get an update. The mailbag rolls on as Lamar Bratley asks if Darius Phillips plays great for the next two months. Do you see this staff plugging Trey Waynes in at all? I doubt they want to keep Waynes on the bench with the money they paid him and committed to him. But Taylor seems to be the type of coach that will play the ones who can get the job done. This goes hand in hand with our next question from Lorenzo Soros, which is what are the details of Trey Wayne's contracts, guarantees, opt-outs, et cetera. So there, there's no opt-out here. And, and this is why Trey Wayne's is going to be back on the field because after this year where he has a cap number of $10 million, the next two years, he has a cap number of $16 million. The Bengals can get out of the deal if they really are desperate to after this season by eating $10 million of dead money. That does save them $6 million against the cap. So it would be un, unusual, let's say, for the Bengals, but they could do it if they feel like this is really not a good fit. The more likely opt-out for the Bengals, the more likely out for the contract would be in the 2022 season after the 2021 season. They eat $5 million of dead money because that $15 million signing bonus he signed is prorated across three years. So... Would the Bengals keep him on the bench? No. I think that I think that when Trey Waynes comes back and is healthy, he's going to be on the field. And the, the thing that gets complicated about this is if William Jackson is good and Darius Phillips is good and Trey Waynes is good and, and you don't like Darius Phillips in the slot because he, he honestly hasn't been great in the slot and limited experience there in his NFL career, well, what do you do? How, how do you make the money work? And, and you know, do, do, do you go out there and, and like James said before we started recording, you franchise tag William Jackson? Do, I mean, how much is that going to cost? Somewhere in the $15 million range. If things get a little bit tricky there, if Darius Phillips shows that he can be a true outside starting cornerback in terms of what happens with William Jackson, if he's also good. It gets, I, I guess, a, a little tricky or a little complicated. I think the Bengals would at minimum tag Jackson, though. I do. Um, but that would be a great problem to have. Like, I, I think sure. if you told Duke Tobin right now, hey, what if all these dudes play well? Then, all right, we'll, we'll address it next year. And, and you know, next offseason, we'll figure it out. I, I, I do think that they would plug Trey Waynes back in. Um, because, look, they think he's good. <laughs> like, it's not like... And I get the public perception of Trey Waynes. They're down on him. They feel 
though, the coaching staff, the front office, they wouldn't have paid him if they didn't think he could be a really good corner in this league and certainly a consistent corner in this league because that's something they, they've been looking for. So I get it. The first, second, third impressions of Trey Waynes aren't great for Bengals fans right now. But that doesn't mean that this coaching staff is completely soured on him or the organization is soured on him or anything like that. He's going to get his chance uh, to do what they're paying him to do, and he should because that's what they believe in him to do. Uh, that doesn't mean that Darius Phillips won't be out there if he plays well. Of course, he'll get his his reps. Heck, if that's the case, uh, you know, and that, here's the other thing. How long will it take Trey Waynes to get back to full strength? We, we have no idea. We don't really have any details on that injury. So uh, the Bengals will love Darius Phillips to seize that second outside corner job. And, uh, and then when Trey Waynes comes back, they could figure it out then. It, it is worth noting here, I guess, that if they were to franchise tag William Jackson, his cap number this year already, $10 million, would just go up probably about $5 million. Uh, I, I think that the franchise tag for corners is going to be around $15 million next year. So not a ton of extra money for just one more year if that's the route they want to go. But I do think that there's only so much money that, that you can really spend at the position. The Bengals have been in this position before with Jonathan Joseph and Leon Hall. And they said, we're going to keep one. And, and that's what they did. That's going to do it for this week on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're back next week with James finally in person at training camp. Starting on Monday, we'll get some eyewitness reports, which I'm very excited for. So you all can join me in looking forward to that next week. Until then, Bengals fans, who day, and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 